0: Hi, you found the Out of the Ordinary Podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary
1: life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of our favorite ordinary things in this extraordinary time of global quarantine are FaceTiming with long-distance friends, the smell of fresh sheets, and all those overdue library books I have that have now had their fines waived.
0: And Lisa Joe, mine are headphones, four pairs on four kids, the internet, which is keeping us connected, and my seedlings, my baby seeds under grow lights in the basement. Friends, may you find joy
1: in today's conversation. Get comfy. Here we go. Okay, this next conversation is part of a fun series we're excited to share with you all. In these days of quarantine and cabin fever... We want to help you and ourselves see our homes less like places where we are trapped with frighteningly low supplies of toilet paper and more like places of refuge and welcome for ourselves and others we love. <laughs> this is the Home Series stories from
0: our favorite rooms in the house. We hope this series offers you new ways to see your space and a fresh appreciation for all the magic that lives within your ordinary walls. No matter how tired, frazzled, or frustrated you might feel today, take the next half hour to exhale as we remind you how awesome your home and all its stories really are.
1: Today, we are telling stories from the backyard which let's be honest, is like having an extra room in your house. And you don't even need to have a big backyard, like any scrap of dirt outside your front door will do. Especially those of us who have kids know that kids can make the tiniest bit of dirt (laughs) stretch very, very far all over the inside (laughs) of the house. (laughs) But I don't know about you, Christy, but um, anytime the weather has gotten remotely nice around these parts, my offspring all just Beat a, what's that expression? They beat a path? Is that the word? They beat, beat a, a path to the door. door, yeah. to the door. <laughs> Either they beat a path to the door, or I tell them, get ye outside, offspring of mine. And um, man, we had a few beautiful days this week. It rained, of course, all day today, but it's supposed to be gorgeous this weekend, and we have just been living outside. And one of the big benefits, so this is one of the things we're trying to do at our house, is try to see, as much as there are things we've lost because of the strange pandemic season, what are some of the gifts we've received? And for us, certainly one of them has been time to spend outside because Peter typically commutes like four hours a day and I drive mm. a ton with kids to sport. And so our yard suffers. And as I've learned from you, a yard requires constant attention. It's like being in a relationship. <laughs> like it needs to have constant input or else it just <laughs> it's true, it's it like either dies or like weeds, or... weeds take over. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but I've been like I've felt like a little kid who wants to keep reporting back to you. Christy, we weeded. Christy, we did this. Christy, we mulched. like things that we've lived here. It's actually 5 years. 5 years in this house. Can you believe that? It, we just passed our 5-year anniversary, which I don't know in my head in my head I feel like it's frozen a year and a half we've been here, but 5. And wow, it feels like I the no first year of truly taking ownership of the outdoor space.
0: Hmm. That is a gift. That is a gift. That really is something you could only have done with a forced slowdown. Because, of course, Peter has to get himself
1: to work. I mean,
0: you right, can't. Right. There's no way around that. Wow. And we've
1: often thought, like, how do people around here maintain their yards? And I think it's because people have yard service, you know, that comes and does it. Because in many ways, it is a luxury to have the time and the slowness to spend time out in a garden. And, um you know, what? we've talked about this often. My middle son, Micah, I've often joked about wanting to ship him to Maplehurst for the summers so he could just work with you guys because he is kind of like in his natural habitat is just outside. And we'd often thought it'd be fun to find some kind of homeschool hybrid where he could do like 4-H schooling or something. But in this season, he has just gotten to be outside with his dad so much. And so one of my stories today begins, Christy. (laughs) He came home yesterday with his dad. They had gone to some Home Depot type store and he walks into the house and he has a look on his face of someone who's like, I mean, I don't, I don't know firsthand what this is, but what I imagine it to look like if you're just like high and stoned out blissed out of your mind. like." And he's carrying in his hands a chainsaw <gasps> and he's just like so ecstatic. He's like, mom. Mom, me and dad, and I'll just pause to say every other sentence these days begins. Me and dad is how he starts everything. Aww. Me and dad did this. Aww. Me and dad are planning this. Me and dad are pulling that tree out. Me and dad are starting Aww. this fire. He's like, me and dad got a chainsaw. You want to come see me use it? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. Yes, I would love to see that. <laughs> but um, they were very careful and they read the instructions and Peter gave them safety guidelines. And is there overseeing everything but we have like these big branches that have come down from all the rain and there my son was cutting through those things like they were butter and no. he was so into it I cannot even describe he was like calling everybody mom you want to turn Jackson you want to turn and shockingly for him like we did not all just <laughs> want to embrace the chainsaw even today he kept asking me I mean why didn't you want to cut with a chainsaw mom why why did not you can have a turn I'll share it with you oh. So Micah's new happy place is this room outside that has given him a connection, not just to nature, but I think it's something about the tools, too, because he loves his chainsaw. He was very excited last week. He was taught and allowed to use for the first time the weed whacker. And he now aspires Mm. to use the um, power washer. And he drives our little (laughs) mini John Deere tractor around, you know, sucking up leaves in the fall. But he's been using it as well to pull a little trailer to cart mulch all over the yard. And he really is a mini farmer at heart. It is his favorite thing to be out there with his dad. And so me and dad are always coming up with stuff. And also what's terrible about this is that his father just likes to dream. He just likes to imagine. I would pull this up. I would plant this. I would expand here. And then Micah, he will he will say those things to me as if they are fact, you know, like me and dad have decided Aww. to pull up this tree or me and dad are knocking down this wall or me and dad. And then I will go to Peter and he'd be like, why do you keep listening to Micah? You should know better than to actually <laughs> take any of that as fact. Me and Micah are just dreaming, but Micah does not realize that. So that has been incredibly meaningful to have the two of them out there and then mm-hmm. they rope in Zoe and me and Jackson will end up there together. But watching Micah really, really live into that outdoor mm-hmm. space, mm-hmm. but not just into the space, really into his own. I don't know, can a 12 year old have a calling like his mm-hmm. whole body, his sinews and DNA just come alive when he is out there? He's sawing up logs and then burning them on a fire <laughs> that he's allowed to start. So, <laughs> our so backyard great. is kind of a semi dangerous environment these days. And we're really it sounds grateful. Sounds like it.
0: <laughs> Do you know what's so interesting about that, Lisa Joe? So, I keep hearing that refrain me and dad, me and dad. Yeah, Just yeah. So, so sweet. But the outdoor space in these crazy times became a me and dad space that really couldn't have happened in any other room in your house. right? But do you know what? I feel like I've had almost the opposite. So um, our family as well, we're very, very grateful in this season to have outdoor space. Often my mind, I I can't tell you how many times Jonathan and I would say to one another, what if we were experiencing this in our old Chicago apartment? Mm. And we loved our Chicago life. We loved our life in the city. We loved our Chicago apartment. But right now we would try to imagine doing a, a shelter at home, a quarantine with children in the city without access to a backyard. And we realized like that would be a whole other kind of challenge. So it just made us extra grateful for what we have in these days. So we, we've we been out outside all the time, using it as a family. But the garden has really become for me the only, the one, if we're going to, in this series, if we're going to call the backyard a room in the house, it has become the only room in the house where I can reliably find even more than the bathroom, which I know we discussed last week, I was going to say you're rel- cheating on the
1: bathroom with right? the backyard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it has been the space where I can find a kind of solitude that is really um, like rejuvenating and restful. I mean, I love my bubble baths. We talked about that last week, but when I go out into my garden, something happens. It's it's even if the kids are out in the yard as well if i'm in the space of the garden if i'm if i've got if i'm down on my knees weeding i've got my head in the flowers it's like i'm alone it's like mm-hmm. i'm completely alone but not only that i'm alone but that i'm enveloped in everything that makes me feel alive again and feel peace again i can hear a bird song i can feel the sun on my skin i have beauty Not only beauty, I mean, there's, you know, weeds and mess too, of course, but there's, you know, the beauty of recently all the spring daffodils and tulips. And so I've been thinking a lot as I've been out in the garden about what solitude is and how, how, how it's even something that I can receive if there actually are other people around. Because my kids are running through the yard, Mm -hmm. they're there, I hear their voices, I hear their bickering on the edges. But there's something that happens for me that I experience in that space that is, the only word I I can come up with is solitude. And it sounds like Micah and Peter are experiencing some kind of like bond or unique father-son shared thing that even if you're out in the yard, you're not in that space
1: with them because you aren't using the chainsaw. You aren't excited about the tools, right?
0: Right.
1: Right. And You know, that makes me think about people who are living in apartments like that, you know, who don't have a little patch of dirt even. And it reminds me of our friend Amy and her family who've been living in California. And so they're not even on a ground floor. They're like on a second floor. And with shelter in place, they couldn't even go to the beaches anymore. And she was sharing about one of her daughters who's just a huge lover of outdoors like Micah. And I thought I'd share a little bit of her example because it was really encouraging to me. Her daughter, who much like a flower, was Kind of wilting without access to outside. But what they do have is this little balcony. And Amy said they went to Home Depot and bought a couple of outdoor seats and a little table and lots of plants to put on their balcony and created for themselves this little mini balcony garden. And I remember her sharing, you know, sometimes it's a stretch. It can be a stretch for families financially to go purchase plants and things, especially if they're not going to last for a whole year or if you're renting a place and you can't take them with you. But she just talked about that investment and how what surprised the whole family is it wasn't just her daughter who benefited. She said in the evenings, we all gravitate toward that space. It's so life-giving to be there. And there is, there's something about... Even in the evenings, getting hit by the smell of jasmine, my jasmine mm. flower, Christy, which I have kept alive for an entire year. I take it for walks. I like it's been inside, <laughs> and then I like take it outside and I hang it up for sunshine. And then I worry about it. Oh no, did it get too cold tonight? And I bring it back in. And wow. Peter's like, "What are you doing with that plant? Just leave it outside." <laughs> I'm like, "No, I will never forgive myself if this plant doesn't survive." But When the smell of that jasmine, when we get home from maybe going to the grocery store and you're wearing your masks and then you get out the car and you get hit by that smell, it suddenly feels like there's something alive, something fresh, something that isn't limited by the season, something that doesn't have to be distant from you, something that invites you into growth and life and health and wholeness. Everything about that experience of outdoors has has magnified just like everything else in the seasons somehow the outdoor space is more magical and more meaningful mm-hmm. than i've ever noticed before
0: gosh that's so true it's as if um creation nature the plants the trees they're still reliably inviting us near you know they're they're saying come <laughs> enjoy me listen to my song care for me you know smell my beautiful jasmine scent When so many other things are saying, nope, don't come too close, you can't do that anymore, this door is shut, you can't go there, Um, but nature is still saying, here we are, the same as ever, and I've all, you know, we've talked many times on the podcast, and I've written books about it, you know, I love um, to garden, I love to care for outdoor spaces, and I have always believed and experienced in many ways that by caring for I mean, even if it's a potted plant like your jasmine, it doesn't have to be as big as a whole yard. But caring for something like that, caring for the natural world is a way of caring for ourselves. Like if we care, you care for that plant, and then that plant, I hope this doesn't sound too cheesy, but that plant cares for you, right? (laughs) Like that plant takes care of you and offers you something. And it's interesting to think, I wonder... Like, what do you um, think—so Micah longs to be involved in the outside world and do work out there and go at it. And I wonder, like, what—he's probably too young to express it yet, but I wonder what he'll say one day that he is getting back from the trees and the land and, you know, all of it. Like, what is it doing for him? But it cares for us. It really does.
1: I think with Micah, it really is a visceral experience for him, like, beyond the thrill of the power tools. I think he enjoys— He's sweaty, right? He's hot. He comes and shows me the dirt, the blisters that he has. Like, And I think it's the contrast between all the time he's spending on a computer these days, right? Doing school and he's not getting to play sport like he normally would. And So there's a lot of downtime when he's indoors and he hasn't been able to be out because of weather or schooling or whatever's going on or just binge watching Netflix because the weather's terrible outside. So there's something about embracing nature back like with your whole self. I mean, Peter has all this terrible poison ivy on one of his legs right now, but it's almost as if he and Micah see it as just a testimony to the fact that they were outside. There's something about... The immediacy and the grip of nature, and how it feels like a very strong personality that gives back, but it also pushes back against us and it pushes up against us and it chafes us. And there's something about that that I'm sure there's a psychology on that is deeply grounding, I feel like, as a human person.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think grounding is exactly the right word. I mean, it's kind of a pun, right? Right. Yet it's real. We need to feel that connection to the the dirt beneath our feet, and and I right. think um, I would guess that many people have already known this, but in these days, in these times where we have been isolated, where we've had less sensory input, that more and more people are recognizing um, just how much they need the outdoors. So I know, Lisa, Joe, that this year. This is the, the first year ever where I have gone to order seeds, let's say, from my usual catalogs or gardening supplies. And every time I've gotten messages about how they are out of stock, they're swamped with orders, they're backlogged, the, you know, shipping delays. Um, to the extent that I was like, maybe while other people were sort of frantically trying to locate um, toilet paper, I was frantically trying to locate <laughs> seeds for Mexican sunflowers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, well I've actually heard that from several friends. Who are gardeners and not just mm-hmm. seeds, but like chicks and chickens and chicken yes! coops, like everything to do with the outdoors. My friend Amy, um, a different friend who lives here closer to us, they have uh, chicks, and they had. Uh, so this is a funny story. She has these giant ducks, and the reason why is that she found them on Craigslist because these teenagers who live with their parents in a in an apartment had bought ducklings without their parents' permission. (laughs) And their parents didn't know. They came home with these ducks. And the parents were like, what are you thinking? Like, we can't have these. And so gave them for free on Craigslist. So Amy has them. But they are these like (laughs) ginormous mega-sized ducks that you pay extra for. (laughs) Like, they're only like three or four months old. And they're already like four times the size of a chicken. I've never seen anything like it before. (laughs) So yes, there's clearly something in us that's craving. To get a little piece of nature, even if it's just like in our apartment with us, apparently.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what? This is reminding me, Lisa, Joe, of I think it was the very first podcast we ever did. Yes. Do you remember my grass? I beads? do. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, you know, planting seeds and paying attention to just the ordinary, ordinary details of our ordinary lives has been the constant metaphor we've returned to over and over again in these out of the ordinary conversations. But I'm remembering just literally that story I told in that first episode about how desperate I was in a Chicago apartment where we had no balcony. We were up on the sixth floor, I think, had, of course, no yard. It was a big apartment building. And I was desperate for outdoor space and I was desperate for spring and for green growing things. And so I had a friend actually who had done this. I would have never thought of myself, but she told me she'd done this. And at first I thought, you're crazy. And then I thought, I'm doing that too. Um we planted grass seeds in yogurt containers and right. set them on the windowsill. So I I had a yo- a plastic yogurt pot growing a sort of grassy head and I would snip it with scissors <laughs> I <remember. laughs> so I could smell that fresh cut grass <laughs> so smell and I would rub my hands over it. And it of course it's so silly and we laugh now but seriously though
1: it right. was therapeutic. Right, it was the healing. Smell. You know, the title of that episode was Everything Big Starts Small, Mm
0: -hmm. and we were
1: using the grass seeds as a metaphor, but it's made me come back to that thought because I, too, remembered that, and I've thought a lot about why is this backyard space so moving, because Mm -hmm. as anybody who's listened to even a few of these episodes knows, that gardener person is not me. Like, that is not my happy place (laughs) Is not what I aspire to. I hate weeding. I hate everything to do with it. Like, my good friend Amy would come over and help us pull weeds. Like, I would always look at our garden in despair and just wonder, like, why do people want to be in their stupid gardens? It's so unpleasant out here. Look how cozy the sofa and Netflix are. (laughs) Like, why would you choose a garden over Netflix? But what's been interesting in my life that I've actually seen mirrored in my children's lives during this pandemic is that. There's very little we can control right now. Mm. So much has been taken away from us. We can't do sports the way we used to. For a lot of us, even our jobs, it's very scary and out of control financially to know decisions are being made that we don't have any say over. We can't predict the future, not in terms of of our finances. Our kids' schooling feels so up in the air for next year. Their sports, their camps, just everything feels out of control. And we spend so much of our time now on computers interacting with people, and it's very one-dimensional. But when you step outside your front door now, you are in like a five-dimensional experience. All of your senses are engaged. That's right. And there are things you can control that reap rewards in direct proportion to the amount of work you put in. Everything big starts small. And so in our garden – A lot had felt out of control. There was a ton of weeds and we didn't have mulch and there are tree branches coming down and the ponds need to be cleaned. Like, this is a disaster. But I can sit down on the front pathway and I can spend an hour and a half picking out the little weeds growing in the crack. And then I can get some Roundup or some vinegar and I can spray the cracks and the weeds don't come back. And then I can get a leaf blower and I can blow the deck. And little by little, I can start to reclaim beauty out of the chaos And every time we do it, every time, I think to myself— This is what God meant. Like when Mm -hmm. he gave the earth to Adam and Eve and he invited Mm -hmm. them to rule over it and to subdue it, really what he was doing is inviting them to engage with it, to get their hands dirty, to feel themselves come alive. And it's funny to watch each of the people in our family, the different ways they engage that outdoor space. So while Micah might really be riding that space hard, you know, whether he's cutting or chopping or trimming or burning, you know, um, (laughs) Jackson, he's running drills over and over and over again with his soccer ball around the trees, around the house, up and down the deck, out on the trampoline, skipping rope over and over and over again, shooting hoops. But that space is meaningful to him. I watch him use it like another room and he comes alive when he's outside like that. And Peter, he loves to be in the yard with Micah, but he likes to dream. It's become a place where he can dream because a lot of our dreaming these days feels like it's out of, are there dreams? Like, Can we dream about what comes next? It feels very scary and out of our control. But you can sit on a deck chair and you can look at your yard and you can read books. And he reads all those books you sent home with him, Christy, about flowers. And even if you don't have the money now, you can plan. You can draw pictures about where you'd want to put flowers in the future And then I think about Zoe and we had such a fun experience with her. So she's nine and she still does not know how to ride a bike. I don't know what the standard age is for learning to ride a bike, but the neighborhood where we live, it's all gravel, the roads around Uh. here, even our driveway. So there's nothing smooth to learn on. And on those kind of gravel roads, it's especially hard to ride a bike that has the little training wheels on it. It gets gunked up and it can't balance properly. And let's face it, she's our third kid. And so you just get tired and it feels like a lot of effort (laughs) to like now figure out how to teach her how to ride a bike in our non-conducive neighborhood. So she hasn't paid too much mind to it, except that since Maryland has now um, relaxed some of its shelter at home um, instructions, we have some neighbors close by and she had been over to see them and their little girl was riding her bike. And on Monday of this week, they invited Zoe on Friday to go and take a bike ride with them. And she came home, like, really upset about it that she doesn't know how to ride a bike. And Diana rides a bike, and they're going to ride bikes, and she now wants to learn. And of course, right, they bring those things to you at the end of a long day. (laughs) You've done all your Zoom meetings, and you did laundry, and you cooked dinner, and you cleaned dinner, and you took her to the play date, and you brought her home. And now here's one more thing she wants you to do. And at the time, I was sitting on the sofa, super cozy, and I just could not even deal with it. She was like, well, don't worry. I'll just take Micah's old bike and go try So I'm like, no, you can't do that. And then I kid you not, I texted her brothers because I didn't want to get up and go to their bedroom. I texted them and was like, you need to go help your sister learn how to ride a bike. That's what brothers are for. Go. Like, that's why I have three children. (laughs) And could you pass me that lollipop I left on the counter before you go outside so I don't have to get up? So I'm not joking you. They go down with her. And give it a try. She comes up and she's hot and sweaty. And this is now how the week progresses. She tries to balance on that bike. Her brothers hold the saddle and run along behind her. They're down in the grit and the heat. And then she recruits Peter. And he takes her a couple days to the school parking lot that's flat and open and empty. And yesterday's Thursday, right? Day before cutoff to learn how to ride a bike. And I had a big work deadline I was on. And Peter said he's going to take the kids. He's going to take Zoe again to the school. Micah said he was going to come. Jackson brought his soccer ball. They're gone for about two and a half hours. They come in and she is yelling, I did it. I did it. I can ride a bike. And she is Aww. sweating. Like her hair is like plastered to his, her head. She has these hot little cherry cheeks. Her hands, Christy, have got like, you know, kind of blistery oh. <laughs> skin because Peter says she grips the handlebars so tightly. She's like gouging her palms on this bike. And they had shot video footage of it. And she does it. She rides the length of the parking lot. And her brother's, which is so precious, Jackson's riding next to her so close because he's so excited. Peter's yelling, get away no. from her. Like You're going to knock her over. And Mike is yelling on the other side. You can do it. You can do it. And as she pulls up toward Pete, she gets off the bike and just like fist pumps and gives this this huge exhale of joy and she goes, "I did it." And I just thought like that is what that space gives us, right? Like everything big starts small and she was determined to learn how to do it. And her brothers came around her. And now last night, there was Micah with the chainsaw burning wood (laughs) while Zoe kept riding up and down our gravel lane. And she would tell us things like Peter would say, oh, honey, you just need to learn how to turn now, right? Because she goes halfway down and then she like falls over and like has to get the bike up (laughs) to try to come back. But Peter said, you just have to learn how to turn. And she goes, no, no, I know how to turn. I mean, I just have to learn how to turn without falling. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, sure, that's what you need. So like she's riding and Jackson is, you know, kicking the soccer ball. Peter was sitting by that point on, a, you know, reading a book out on the deck and I was sitting watching them. And Zoe came back into the yard victorious with her bike and informed the whole family because she is one really appreciates a good like celebratory moment like mm. participation matters <laughs> and she rounded everybody up and told all of us this was her moment now and we need to write down the date and she is now going to do like her final ride in front of us and so I came outside I'm carrying a bacon lettuce and tomato sandwich it's so <laughs> perfect I had just made it I have it on the plate planning to sit down and like watch her and she looks at me with sort of a sneer and says uh mom You're going to want to put your plate down. And I said to her, why? Like, are you expecting I'm going to like run behind you through the neighborhood? And her face was like, yes, (laughs) you are going to participate in my moment. This is my moment. She had her big moment and did her big ride in front of the whole family, not just parts of us. And we were all hot and sweaty and dirty and gritty. And every child had to shower. And so did the parents. But man, Christy, I have never been so grateful for an outdoor space Mm -hmm. that for the very first time, like I truly experienced like a room Mm -hmm. where life happened Mm -hmm. in our family. Mm
0: -hmm. I think the word is participation. You said it again when you said Zoe really wanted everyone to participate with her in that moment. And I feel like um, I've said this over and over, but it's just more real to me now that creation is singing a song always it is always singing this song it's a song of praise of wonder and we are invited to sing along we are invited we get to do that that. so you're singing with zoe we are (laughs) singing with the trees and i think something else so i'll just share in our own family um one thing that my daughters both of them my one is a teenager and one is teeny tiny but they have both um purchased uh, save their money and purchased roller skates <laughs> during oh, this
1: pandemic <laughs> wait the four wheels or the inline? yes the f- old-fashioned
0: oh, like I roller derby those. you know oh, your driveway
1: perfect yes yeah
0: on the driveway so they have been out roller skating you know tall little doing it participating and so that's been a real highlight but overall i would say um especially with my teenager staying at home has been very, very hard. She's an extrovert. She's social,
1: right? She's
0: so social. She's a teenager. Um, We can all remember what that's like. It's really an age where you need less of your family and you need more of your peers. You need more Mm -hmm. of your friends. And so it's been very, very hard. But whenever we talk about that, I've always, I think my hope for her is that the stories we tell of this time, of what our days are like, are are true stories, and I think in order to be true stories, we need more of the whole story. So it's not enough to just tell the small, a small hard story. I miss my friends. I can't do this. I mm. can't do that. I feel like the true story also has to say yes, but you are out there roller skating with your yes. baby sister oh, and so, having yes. a blast. Yes, so yeah, good. and it's both. So right. it's not to discount the hard thing. It's not to discount the the sadness or the loss, but also to say. But yes, these days you have time to sleep in and roller skate all afternoon. And that's a good thing. That's, right. That contributes to that whole story. And I think it is, um, it's our participation in the outdoor world that we're invited into in new ways in these times because we're at home and because things have slowed down. And so I think that is absolutely worth celebrating. And those are stories that we need to tell along with the sad, and along with the hard and the uncertainty in order to get at um, the truth. It's all of it. But
1: yes, creation is singing a song, and we are invited to sing along. (laughs) Christy, I love how you described it like a song, like we're singing or Mm -hmm. nature is singing somehow to Mm -hmm. us, and we are receiving Mm -hmm. that song and singing back. And you know, Scripture, of course, has that beautiful poem about how the trees of the fields will clap their hands, this notion that nature also is singing a song, and Of course, I think I'm proud of myself for thinking of it before you, because you're always the one with the best literary connections. But I was thinking about Lewis's, um, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series, the Narnia Mm -hmm. Trilogy, and this is the book The Magician's Nephew, Mm -hmm. which, while not written first, really order-wise is Mm -hmm. like the Mm -hmm. first book in the whole series— And it's the beginning of Narnia. It's the creation story of Narnia. Yes, yes. Right. And if you remember it correctly, of course, Aslan sings. He sings this song, and it's through his singing that the earth bursts into life. So, if I can get it right, I'm going to quote here. I'm going to read and jump around a little bit to read some of this beautiful, beautiful passage. Maybe if that's okay with you, that's a good place to mm-hmm. end our, our I love conversation it. today. So this is chapter 9, The Founding of Narnia. The lion was pacing to and fro about that empty land and singing his new song. It was softer and more lilting than the song by which he had called up the stars and the sun, a gentle, rippling music. And as he walked and sang, the valley grew green with grass." It spread out from the lion like a pool. It ran up the sides of the little hills like a wave. In a few minutes, it was creeping up the lower slopes of the distant mountains, making that young world every moment softer. The light wind could now be heard ruffling the grass. Soon there were other things besides the grass. The higher slopes grew dark with heather. Patches of rougher and more bristling green appeared in the valley. Diggory did not know what they were until one began coming up quite close to him. It was a little spiky thing that grew out dozens of arms and covered these arms with green and grew larger at the rate of about an inch every two seconds. There were dozens of these things all round him now. When they were nearly as tall as himself, he saw what they were. "'Trees!' he exclaimed." The nuisance of it, as Polly said afterwards, was that you weren't left in peace to watch it all. Just as Diggory said trees he had to jump because Uncle Andrew had sidled up to him again and again— And I'm going to skip forward over here because if you remember the story, Uncle Andrew and the witch he's brought into the world of trying to constantly steal things (laughs) from them. But let's move forward to the creation because it's so beautiful. There was certainly plenty to watch and to listen to. The tree which Diggory had noticed first was now a full-grown beech whose branches swayed gently above his head. They stood on cool green grass sprinkled with daisies and buttercups. A little way off along the riverbank, willows were growing. On the other side, tangles of flowering currant, lilac, wild rose, and rhododendron closed them in. The horse was tearing up delicious mouthfuls of new grass. Mm, oh, so God. I feel good. like I'm going to look at my backyard very differently this week.
0: Absolutely, and that's what a good story does, right? Like even a totally fantastical story, like you know the Narnia stories, it helps us see the truth. It helps us see our own world with new eyes. So I'm definitely seeing even my, ba- and you know me, I love my backyard. I've always loved my garden, but in this time and after telling these stories, even I am seeing that garden with new eyes. So thank you. Here's to the backyard.
1: <laughs>